this show is supported by listeners like you at patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock, where you can sign up to receive two special The Russia Guy custom coasters for your drinks and beverages and whatnot if you pledge at least $10 a month. Thank you to my current 26 patrons. Your support means a lot to me. Howdy, folks. Welcome to another episode of The Russia Guy, the podcast where I talk to interesting and influential figures in Russia-focused journalism, academia, and activism. I'm your host, Kevin Rothrock, and on this show, I interview people about trending news stories, the overarching themes of Russia watching, and the ins and outs of life as a professional in this field. On today's show, my guest is Gassan Gusenov, a linguistics professor at Moscow's Higher School of Economics. I first had the pleasure of meeting Gassan several years ago, at a conference for the Association of Slavic, East European, and Eurasian Studies, or ACES. But many people in Russia are learning about him right now for the first time because of a Facebook post he shared on October 29th, where he complained that Russians show too little interest in other languages. He said specifically that newsstands in Moscow, a city with hundreds of thousands of ethnicities besides Russians, offer only publications in the miserable and foul Russian language. He also argued that Russians try to justify their aversion to other languages as the privilege of a great power, but this insularity, he says, is actually the result of Russia's barbarity. The Facebook post led to a national scandal, including threats and even a whole segment on pro-Kremlin pundit Dmitry Kisilov's network TV show. Kassan and I discussed the issue and why he thinks so many people have reacted so harshly. I wanted to, first I wanted to clarify if you have a preferred translation of these Facebook, this Facebook post, these remarks you made that caused such a uproar in Russia. The way I've translated it is that uh, you were writing about that Russians show too little interest in foreign languages, and correct me if I'm wrong here, and that Moscow is a city with, you know, hundreds of thousands of immigrants that speak other languages, but if you go to the newsstands, you could only find publications in what you described as the miserable and foul Russian language. And this is, these, this is the remark that's upset so many people because they interpret it as an assault on the language itself, although I don't think that's what you were saying. But is that, is that a fair translation, you think? Yes, it is a fair translation. There is only one word which I would, uh, let us say, expand, because when we, when we are speaking about foreign languages, we mean, let us say, German or French or English for Russia or uh, Mandarin. But there are other languages which are not foreign for Russia, but they are minority languages of ethnic groups living in, inside Russia. And these languages do not have any other home outside, uh, like uh, Bashkirian or Bashkir in Bashkortostan, Tatar in Tatarstan, and so on. Uh, that's the main difference. That's why I would distinguish this point. But uh, anyway, the translation in general is absolutely correct. And it was, of course, a mistake of so many people who didn't read the beginning of my posting and uh, just uh, concentrated on a couple of key words. And uh, yes, and they, uh, then there was this over overreaction. Has it surprised you? I mean, it's, it's certainly something to be singled out by Kisilov on his weekly news show. Did that take you by surprise? Uh, yeah, it, it didn't surprise me. Uh, I would say it wouldn't surprise me if there were a reaction of a couple of dozens of people. But what really surprised me, astonished me, and frightened me even, 
was the reaction of many hundreds and of thousands of people who immediately started uh, writing emails uh, threatening me and describing me uh, as uh, Azeri, uh, stupid Azeri mountainer who should go back to his aul or Jewish uh, guy who is uh, actually working for the money of uh, State Department or and, and so on. Uh, so there is a traitor who is living among us and he's hating Russia and he's hating our language and so on. And all these stupidities in huge amount. And it is interesting sociologically, but it is not... Not personally. Uh, yeah. Quite, yes. Personally, is, is not easy at all. Sure. How do you explain the the backlash you know the the first explanation actually uh, has been given it it is it is really interesting exactly 31 years ago in the year uh, 1988 i published an article in the at that time perestroika magazine uh, 20th century and peace which was called speech and violence and the subject of this article was uh, semilinguality. So to say, when people can not speak, they, they are supposed to be bilingual, but they don't speak either their own language or the language of international communication, which was Russian at that time. And my, uh, my opinion was that uh, the level of violence in the, in the country is somehow interdependent with the level of the semilinguality, with the inability of a big part of the population to express uh, themselves through uh, political language or language of culture or, or any language at all. That's why when people have difficulties, when they cannot express themselves, when they cannot communicate in languages, they are actually forced uh, to uh, practice violence. That was 31 years ago. The article was published, and I gave interview to Voice of America and to other uh, American and European companies because it was exactly the beginning of conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan or Armenians and Azeris in Azerbaijan and in Armenia. And at that time, I was uh, very much on the side of Armenian Armenians and uh, the fact that I'm Azeri from my father's uh, line <laughs> immediately made me a traitor of Azerbaijan <laughs> in the eyes of many Azerbaijanis. So uh, that was a very, very difficult time, a very uh, morally and very unpleasant time. And now, 30 years later, what we have a very similar situation in which people who were in fact neglecting one of the most important probably elements of our life uh, language policies inter-ethnic conflicts uh, they now started this campaign against somebody who just expressed his opinion about the lack of understanding of minority languages in in this very big multinational country and uh, and they have many supporters and uh, including people from the regions who hate their own languages because they don't give them opportunity to to live better or to work somewhere abroad or in their own country so they feel that languages like tatar or bashkirian or 
that all these languages, so to say, are good for nothing. Why should we learn them? Uh, why should we uh, study them? They, uh, they won't help us. We have to learn Russian and English, for example. Uh, and that's, that's actually the point. You have a lot of people who do not understand themselves because they cannot express themselves in their tongues neither in Russian nor in their mother tongue, which is neglected and officially neglected. That's actually the explanation why so many people uh, reacted with this hatred and called me a Russophobe and so on. Do you think that the, the, the campaign sort of, I mean, I don't know if maybe it's not right to call it a campaign. Maybe it is indeed just a angry reaction from all these people, but do you think there's any orchestration here in terms of the media coverage of this? Because it's it's not for nothing, I assume, that this story makes it all the way to Vestini Delia or something like that. You know, I think there are, there are different orchestrations. There are different groups of people. I don't know the uh, background of all of them. I can only uh, guess and suppose something. But I think that there are people who really want to instrumentalize the whole story in terms of traitor from minorities who is trying to destabilize uh, our great country and from this. Uh, so that's that's one line. Another line is the wish uh, to somehow to suppress the students, uh, people working at the universities and trying to expand the level of openness of the society, trying to talk about important problems in the society. And there are people who would say, we don't care about all these ethnic questions, all these cultural problems and so on, but we care about the state as such. And any attempt to somehow to express doubt in the policies is an attempt to destroy the statehood and so on. So that, that, that's another group, slightly different group. And so on. So th th there could be many, uh, or several at least, uh, several groups of this sort. That's why I'm actually I'm worried to tell you the truth about about it, because uh, some people who actually didn't say anything about about anything, they are put on trial for absolutely nothing. And in this case, if you have a sort of misinterpretation, if you misuse this case you can of course you can find a lot of a lot of crimes behind it and uh, criminal intent and uh, uh, that that's what make me uh, <laughs> worry <laughs> yeah. would you say that the response you've gotten from colleagues in academia has it been mostly i mean has it given you confidence or has it been has it been frightening has it been kind of are you surrounded by by threats, even in academia, or is, is within your profession, do you feel mostly secure? Uh, I, I would say that the, the majority of people I know, uh, they supported me uh, when, uh, or if even they don't agree with my, with the sharpness, let us say, of my, of my thesis and so on. But even in the academia, and that is the most interesting point, that's why I'm going really quickly to write maybe maybe a long article or a short book on the subject. But even in the academia, there are people, and it is extremely interesting, who actually express the same ideas, this 
trolling mob is expressing, that somebody with the Azeri name, it doesn't matter that this person has been Russified in the second generation, but the fact that this guy who is not, in whose veins there is no Russian blood, he is he's daring to say that about our language, our culture, our country, and so on. And that is, that is frightening. That is really frightening because some, some of these people are arguing also that I am uh, agnostic and I have nothing sacred and I have, uh, I, I'm an, as non-believer, I don't understand the Russian Orthodox soul and so on. So all this stuff. Are you agnostic? Yes, I, I am agnostic. Sure, I am right. agnostic. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to say atheist because maybe I'm not atheist because philologist for for a philologist to be atheist is is a strange thing because we <laughs> we have to, to believe that this is sacred thing <laughs> uh, language and so but but it it doesn't matter if if i were muslim i mean yeah. or if i were uh, a practicing jew or something of the kind that would be that wouldn't have more sense to say that that there is somebody who is really deeply alien to this country, to the interests of the country, and he cannot understand our feelings. So that is the sort of identitarian attitude uh, which we have in Germany right now, in Hungary, in Poland, all over Eastern Europe. Uh, so the remains of this uh, romantic understanding of the soul of the people, which you cannot understand if you, are, you don't belong to these people. And that is, of course, it is all combined with the politics of language, um, which is being practiced in the last, uh, the recent 20 years, as uh, politics of uh, total, uh, total, uh, I would say, exclusion of truth from the discourse. So it doesn't matter if something saying is truthful or not, because nobody in the world says truth. So we just have to deal with different forms of lie. And our form of lie is better than others because we are ourselves. We are we. And just listen to us. So that's the, the, the logic. That's the ideology of the current ruling class in, in, in Russia. We are good because we are here and uh, that's us. And it came, uh, it followed the official Soviet ideology where there was some sort of, uh, you know, the list of uh, proposals for the world, egalitarian ideology, communist ideology, we have, uh, we are very modern, we are the future of the mankind, and so on. There was something behind or beyond uh, ethnic uh, borders. But the ideology of our uh, political uh, class or of, of our rulers is, we are we, and that's why we are good. That, that's all. And uh, if you're not with us, you're against us. That's my interview with Kassan Gusenov, a linguistics professor at Moscow's Higher School of Economics. Please check the description of this podcast episode for a hyperlink to his faculty page at the Higher School of Economics. If you enjoyed this interview and like listening to this podcast, please consider skipping over to patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock, where you can make a contribution. And don't forget about my new audiophile supporter tier, which gets you two custom coasters featuring the podcast's new artwork by Yulia Drobova. 
Thanks to everybody already pitching in. And I'm happy to get feedback on Twitter, as always, if ever you've a comment or a question about the show. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time. Дайте, что ли, карты в руки погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля.